0: and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. God has been so, so good to me. I, I know and I pray that He's been good to you. Amen? And uh, we are very, very, very blessed. Very, very grateful for all that God has done in my life. If you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to John chapter 15. And guys, upstairs, I, have, I didn't ask for this, but I want to go to that John 15 Uh, Two-verse passage first, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and we'll get started this morning. Um, Kind of a change-up for the guys upstairs, but if we'll go to John chapter 15. It was echoed in the song that we sang, but we find Jesus speaking to his disciples. And just want to share two verses this morning. Drop down and look with me in verse number 12. In verse number 12, these are the words that we find of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love. He said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time that we've had to sing songs of praise. We thank you for the time that you have given us to gather together to worship you. Lord, I pray that the words that flow from my mouth will be your words. I pray that you'll be honored and that you'll be glorified through the message this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll give me strength, God, to declare what you have to say. Lord, I pray that you'll give us all ears to hear and not only will we hear it, but Lord, we'll be willing to apply it to our lives this morning. Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray and for his sake, amen and amen. Well, this morning, uh, we've taken time to think about and to remember those who have given their all, as we said, to secure and to maintain the freedoms that we as Americans enjoy. But I would encourage you to do that again tomorrow. Uh, Do that again tomorrow. Take some time out. Because it's important that not only we remind ourselves, but I think, as I said earlier, it's important that we teach and uh, remind this next generation that is coming after us uh, about what Memorial Day is all about. Because here's the reality. If we fail to learn the lessons of history, someone has said we're doomed to repeat them, but also not only if we fail to learn the lessons of history, we fail to remember. And when we fail to remember, we fail to appreciate I'll tell you what, sometimes I fail to remember and appreciate all the sacrifices that my dad and mom made for me as a young boy. And if we don't do that, we're destined to forget. And so it's important that we take time to remember those who gave their ultimate sacrifice. You know, the saying is, uh, all gave some, some gave all. The freedoms that we enjoy are given to us by God and I would suggest that if we fail to preserve and to protect our freedoms in the future the reality is that we won't do it we won't do it in the future if we don't remember today it's been said freedom is not free and here's how I put it and those who recognize its cost will continue to pay its price so that it's preserved but those who do not recognize its cost will not Even in this season of highly political ranting and raving, by the way, I would encourage you to get out. Get away from the highly political ranting and raving. It does your blood pressure no good. Here ends the message, right? Just stay away. Quit getting caught up in what he said or she said. You know, I think we'd all do ourselves a favor if we started remembering what God said instead of what some person said. By the way... If you don't like the administration, it's okay, it will change. We get so caught up in the political ranting and raving. I pray that God, will never, that God will help us to never forget the many blessings that we've received at His hand through the service, through the sacrifice and the shed blood of others. Interestingly enough, I said it uh, when I was talking a little earlier, the setting aside of days and actually objects for remembrance is nothing new in Scripture. In fact, in Genesis chapter 9... A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about Noah. You remember in Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, after the ark, after all of that was done, God gave them what? A rainbow. rainbow. And that rainbow he put in the sky as a reminder, as a covenant with Noah, saying that he would never again destroy all flesh by flooding the earth. Now, here's the reality. Anybody here ever seen a rainbow? Man, when we look at a rainbow, we go, man, isn't that beautiful? I've got a picture. I've got a picture that Angie, Margie, took out here on Highway 29 and gave me years ago. And it's on my wall of a rainbow that's cast over the top of this this place of worship. And the reality is that rainbows, they actually remind us of His judgment. But they also remind us of His promise in the future. In Exodus chapter 12, the Lord brought about his last plague. You remember this. And, uh, and Moses tells uh, Pharaoh what's going to happen and, and the children of Israel to take blood of lambs and they're to, what, put it over the lentils in the post of their door. Remember this. And, and if they did that, the reality is that this plague would pass over the people. And afterwards, guess what God established? He said, guess what? You're going to have a Passover feast so that every year, you can remember what I did. You can remember that it wasn't your good looks. It wasn't your strength. It wasn't your greatness that got you out of Egypt. It was the Lord your God. I think about in Joshua chapter 3. you <laughs> Poor old Joshua, man, following Moses. And he's getting ready to cross over Jordan. And the Lord tells him to take the Ark of the Covenant and cross over the Jordan River. And they're like, how are we going to do this? I mean, how do we get over there? You remember they went down with the ark, the Levites, he tells them, and as soon as their feet touched the edge of the Jordan River, you remember what happened? The river stopped and the, and the riverbed became dry. And as they're crossing over, interesting fun fact for you, That one man from every tribe of the nation of Israel reached down and they grabbed a stone. Do you remember this? And when they got over to the other side of the Jordan River, they stacked it up like an Ebenezer. And the reason they did it was so that people, every time they came to that spot, they would remember. They would remember what God had done in that place. Oh, memorials and reminders are all over in scripture. I think in the book of Esther, you remember the plot of Haman to annihilate all of the Jewish people. And yet God, God used Queen Esther. God used Queen Esther to have this plot reversed. And and the reality is after that was done, the Feast of Purim. The Feast of Purim is celebrated to this day and established as a reminder of that day. I think about all through ancient Israel. There were graves that were used as markers of commencement or, or, or uh, commemorating and remembering the people who had died. Guess what? That still happens not only there, but all throughout the world. We go to the place of a loved one's burial or where we've set aside and we remember. These things are real. David actually wrote Psalm 38 and Psalm 70 as a memorial of what God had done. Oh, listen, memorials are nothing new. I think about in the New Testament. You remember the Apostle Paul, he writes to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And here's the reality. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you're not familiar with the passage, it's actually directing the, the Lord's Supper. I would encourage you guys when we observe the Lord's Supper to come because it's a beautiful service. And here's what he does. He, he sets out the, 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 uh, the, the way that they were to do it. And he's using the words of Jesus as Jesus sat with his disciples. And you remember Jesus took the, the bread and the cup and he said, Hey, this is my body which is broken for you. And this is my blood which has been shed for you. And then what are we told in Scripture? He says, Do this, Jesus said, in what? Remembrance. Of me. All of those examples that I've given you are simply to say that don't get your halo on too tight. Don't get your feather ruffled so bad that you come to a place of worship on Memorial Day and you say, I'm going to check out because they're singing. We say thank you. Listen, it's okay to remember. It's okay to look back at what God has done. It wasn't just about the men and women who gave their lives. It was about the fact that God used them in the defense of this country. Guys, you may not like what's going on. You may not love what's going on. You may not like whoever's in the White House or the State House or whatever. It doesn't matter. God is in control. He's not abdicated his throne. And it's okay. It's okay, I can tell you. On Tuesday morning, you'll wake up. You'll be okay. If you're not a fan of Memorial Day, you just wake up on Tuesday. I'm guessing you'll be okay. You know, I don't know about you, but I've often wondered, you see the title, Motivated by Love. I've often wondered as an individual who served in the Army and the Marine Corps, you know, I was a glutton for punishment. If I had more time, I would have done all of them. And then they went and added another one on me. I feel like I really sailed under the first three. My children were born at naval hospitals, and I worked closely with the Navy. So I feel like, I, I know sailors are going to like, no, brother, you were a Marine. You're never a sailor. It's okay. I feel like I was a part of three. But I've always asked myself, what is it that motivates? What is it that causes someone beyond? Listen, I, I've heard it all. Duty, honor, country. What is it that motivates someone beyond duty, honor, and country? to serve, to sacrifice, to shed blood, and if necessary lay down their life. Now, let me just ask you a question. Now, I'll put it in context of our Lord and Savior. What was it beyond duty and honor and obedience? And we could go on and on and get some adjectives going. What was it? What was it that caused Jesus to lay down his life to shed his blood for you and for me, I believe that it can only be summed up. Listen, for you for you, uh, for you, you, beacons of truth, for you bastions of truth, I love all truth, but all truth and no love is a bully, and all love and no truth is a hypocrite. Yeah. So I love all these guys. Saying, all they preach today is love. Let me tell you something. You can't preach the word of God without mentioning love, so you might want to check your Bible. Sorry, that's a little, little sidebar. You know what it was that motivated Jesus? It was love. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he gave his son to be a propitiation for us. He gave his son to be the atoning sacrifice for us. He was motivated by love. And if you don't get anything else, the reality is if you don't know Jesus today, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. This world may not love you, but Jesus does. You say, well, Jesus hasn't proved it. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. I stand in front of a cross that's placed back here. Why do we have crosses? Why do some of the ladies wear crosses? Why do do some people have crosses that they wear on shirts and hats and, and even body markings? Because they're remembering what Jesus did on the cross. And by the way, the cross is empty. He ain't on that cross no more. I'm only getting started. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. teasing. I believe it was one word. It was the word love. But here's the deal. We have to be careful of whose definition of love we listen to. You know, because you got the world's definition of love, and then you got uh, our Lord's definition of love. In fact, in and of itself, the word love has probably been the most overused and abused word in the English language. We say we love a lot of things. In fact, I'm going to date myself here for just a second, and some of the senior saints are going to uh, perk up. They're going to think, whoa, wow, I didn't know he knew that. But I remember uh, years ago there was a song that later became a movie and subsequently a TV show for just a little while, and it was Paul Webster who declared, love is a many-splendored thing. Some of you probably have an old 8-track cassette tape with Andy Williams singing that, that puppy. You're laughing, but you know you have it at home somewhere. I didn't even know eight-track players still worked, but I'm sure someone has one. You remember after that, you know, Andy Williams, he could sing, Love is a Many Splendid Thing. Well, after that, the Beatles came, and you know what the Beatles said? They said, all we need is love. Well, that was okay, but then you remember the creator of Snoopy and Charlie Brown? His name was Charles Schultz. He said, yes, he said, yes, Uh, all you need is love, but a little chocolate now and then doesn't hurt. (laughs) Oh, we love a lot of things, don't we? I'll be honest with you, I love the lunch I had yesterday. Man, I had so much lunch yesterday, I didn't even need dinner. Let me tell you, we love, we love our homes. Uh Uh-oh. We love our cars. We love our favorite sports teams, unless your favorite sports teams happens to be the commanders. I'm trying, I'm trying. Give me strength, Lord. Oh, <laughs> uh, you, you want me to defect and come over and be a cowboy fan, okay. I got news for you, that ain't ever happening. This puppy bleeds burgundy and gold. I don't care what you call them. (laughs) We love a lot of things. But here's the deal. When Jesus defined love, he defined it in regards, hold on a second, hold on to your seat, hold on to your purse. He defined it in regards to sacrificial action. It's a reoccurring theme with him all throughout Scripture, especially before he gave his life up as a ransom for you and for me. In the Greek, there are multiple types of of love that we could get in the Greek language. In fact, two are mentioned in a positive way in Scripture, and a third is actually mentioned, but it's only mentioned in its negative form. But today, uh, I want you to see one uh, one of those loves, but also uh, kind of a a derivative of the one. And those are the words agape, which refers to the selfless sacrificial love that God has modeled and given to us. And the second one is one that not a lot of expositors really take time to talk about. And we're talking about morally uh, speaking, talking about uh, agapao, which actually speaks of the idea of being totally or completely given or committed to giving ourselves over to something or someone. And so with that being said, as Jesus concludes his earthly ministry, he begins to teach and he begins to share some things and he begins to tell his disciples what he wants them to do. Now, if you have your place in John chapter 15... Hold that right there and just look across the page, or maybe you might have to flip one page, to John chapter 13. Because in John chapter 13, after Jesus washes his disciples' feet, here's what he says in John chapter 13 and verse number 15. He says, I have given you a what? An example. He set the example. He says, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. So at this point, the key that Jesus is setting is that we are to serve one another. He says, remember, he's washing their feet and they're thinking, why is Jesus washing our feet? Jesus says, I've given you an example. Here's the picture of serving. You're gonna have to get down and people have some dirty feet and you're gonna have to wash their feet from time to time, metaphorically speaking. But watch Look down at chapter 13, go on further down because in verse 34 and 35, we can see that Jesus takes his his instruction a step further and he says here in verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love agapao, in other words, that you be totally or completely committed to one another as I have loved agapao, as I have been totally or completely committed to you that you also love same word agapao one another look at verse 35 by this stop right there and you better mark it by this not by anything else We've got to wrap our head around what the Bible says, not what somebody else has said, but what does Jesus say? And we got to stop right there. You say, what did Jesus say? Period. Not what this pastor said, not what this communicator said, not what Pastor Greg said, but what did Jesus say? And Jesus says in verse number 35, by this. Now watch what he says. Shall all men know. That means that if you agapao one another as Jesus agapaoed owed you and you agapao one another by that alone, by that total, complete commitment to loving one another as Jesus has loved us, he said, all men will know. In other words, there ain't gonna be no confusion. Yeah. Have you ever heard it put that way? There ain't gonna be no confusion is what Jesus says by this. You see, the confusion comes in when we start to add our own theological thinking in the mix. You know what? Jesus doesn't care what I think. He cares what I do. He doesn't care. I'm trying to be real nice today. I really am. I'm trying to be real nice. He doesn't care how theologically high and lofty your thoughts are. What he cares about is what and how are you living your life today, sir, ma'am. Young person, how are we living our lives? Because he says that we're to love one another as he loved us. And if we do this by this, period, all men will know. Watch what he says, that we are his disciples and that we, here comes, different word, different words getting right up here. If you have love agape. That selfless, sacrificial love that I have exhibited, exampled, and given you. If you selflessly, sacrificially, totally and completely commit yourselves morally and any other way to one another, he says, Guess what? These men, these people in the world are gonna recognize you, and guess what? They're gonna recognize you as being my disciples. Pretty powerful stuff. He keeps the theme going. Look at chapter 14. In chapter 14, John chapter 14, in verse number 15, Jesus says, if you love agapao, there it is again, Bible studier. If you love or are totally, completely committed to me, then keep my commandments. I would suggest that if you love Jesus that way, that you're not going to have to be told to keep his commandments. I told this church a long time ago when I was candidating for this position here at Battlefield Baptist Church, I said, I will never beg people to worship Jesus. If you want a pastor that's going to call you and beg you to come worship Jesus, I'm not your guy. Because I believe that if you love Jesus with all of your heart, and you say, man, it's hard to love Jesus with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. It is. You can't do it on your own. But with the Spirit of God working in you, you can. And so I told the church, I said, listen, if you're looking for someone to call you and to beg you and, to, and tell you that I need you to worship Jesus, you're, you're, looking, you're looking at the wrong guy. Because I actually believe that if you love Jesus, you are going to keep his commandments. You are going to take time out for worship. You are going to take time out for prayer. You're actually going to come and serve, not just come and sit. That's a different topic. Look at verse 23, chapter 14. He goes on. He says, if a man love, agapao me, he will keep my words. And my father, Uh uh-oh, here's a benefit. He says, not only will he keep my words, but he says, now my father is going to agapao him. He's going to be totally and completely committed to him. And we, look at the word we, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. I think Jesus takes the topic of love pretty seriously, whether you or I do or not. He's pretty serious about it. You know, they say that last words are pretty important. This was his last discourse, if you please, with his closest followers. He's trying to teach them some things before he ascends to the Father. Now, go back to our main passage, John chapter 15. This is is an iconic passage, and I know you've heard these verses before, But notice what he proclaims again. He said, this is my commandment that you love agapao one another as I have loved and agapao'd you. Now watch, greater love, greater agape love, greater selfless sacrificial love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So in verse 12... Look at verse 12 again. Jesus is essentially saying, you remember in chapter 13, he washes their feet and he says, I've given you an example that you should follow and do what I've done. This is exactly what he's saying in verse number 12. In verse number 12, he's saying, do what I've done. He said, as I've loved you, love one another. And he says, there's no greater, there's no greater example of this selfless sacrificial love than someone who lays down his life for a friend. The reality is that the way that you and I treat and respond to others actually demonstrates whether you or I are actually true believers of Jesus Christ. That's a hard, that's a hard thought. But it's a very serious and biblical thought. How we, how we treat, how we respond to our brothers and sisters. And you say, well, Pastor, I respond to believers that way well, hang on, I got something that's going to ruffle your feather here in a second. I, I respond to them that way, but it's hard to love the unlovable. I know it is. Don't you think I've run across unlovable people before in my time? We all run across people that are difficult to love at times, but that doesn't change what Jesus is saying here. And so this morning, we've remembered the love of those who gave up their lives for the country. I want us to remember. I want us to rejoice. And if need be, I want us to actually receive the love of the one who laid down his life for us. And so if you're a note taker, a couple quick thoughts for you this morning. Number one, Jesus, we need to remember Jesus' love. It's not a suggestion. <laughs> I can't put it more blatant than that. It's not a suggestion. Look at verse 12. He said, this is my What? You know, I'm a retired military man, and I can tell you, I can assure you that commanding officers in the military, they don't give orders, they don't give commands as suggestions. They don't, for those who have served in the military, served in any, by the way, probably the same way in your your office if you're an employee of some sort. The, The commanding officer does not give orders as suggestions or as an option to be followed. When I received an order, uh, my seven years in the Marine Corps, I guarantee you one thing, the order came down, I was daggone gonna follow it. And you know what I found out? It didn't matter whether I liked the order or not. Because <laughs> I, can I be honest with you? There were a lot of them I didn't really agree with. That's why it's important that we have good leaders, you know. But anyway, When the order came down, it didn't matter whether I liked it, appreciated it, or agreed with it. My job was to simply obey it. I'm thankful that Jesus brought me through those years. I've had many a leader in the military that I thought, Lord, help me. Help me to refrain from saying or doing something that will get me in trouble. Leaders who were on a power trip had no business leading men and women. And yet, there they were. <laughs> Jesus in chapter in verse 12, look what he says. He's saying the same thing today, folks. He didn't just say it to his disciples. He says, love one another as I have loved you. That phrase there reminds me that the love Jesus was talking about, he was not simply saying that you and I need to be hooked on a feeling. He's saying, you need to understand that I am calling you into action. You remember right right before this, he had already told him, he says, hey, uh, let not your heart be troubled. He said, remember, he told him, he said, I'm going to go to the Father and in my Father's house you know, we're going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be. He says, I'm going to the Father and he says, listen, I won't leave you comfortless. I'm going to give you a a comforter. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to comfort and to guide and to lead you. But he says... This love is not just simply a feeling. He said, our Lord is saying, He says, you're going to have to show love regardless of how you feel about someone. And by the way, being totally and completely committed to love the way that Jesus loved will sometimes require, here comes, the word sacrifice. There have been times that I've had to sacrifice to love people. But you know what? The greatest sacrifice was made A long time ago on the cross, for me, I think I can sacrifice a little bit. Oh, listen, our Savior was motivated by love, and we should too. Husbands, can I encourage you? Love your wives. Uh Uh-oh. Not a wife said a word in here. Husbands, love your wives. I'm about ready to dismiss. You know why I don't think I heard the wives? Because I think they knew what was coming next. Wives, reverence your husband. Yes. Oh, and the kids are going to be angry. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Yes. Oh, we love getting all excited about that. <laughs> oh, I wish that little boy would. Uh, you know, it's funny that, and I always joke with Krista, you know, when our boys did something wrong, they were always my son. <laughs> what gives? What gives? And when if they made the honor roll, then they were her son. I, I, I don't understand. I'm like, what is going on? Husbands, we need to love our wives as Christ loved and gave himself for the church. Wives, we need to submit to our husbands as unto the Lord. Children, we need to obey our parents in the Lord because this is right. And guess what, dads, you ain't off the hook. It's not even Father's Day. Dads and moms, you need to raise up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That means you need to raise them up in the instruction and the training that God has got set for them. Not what everybody else has set for them. You want to know something? And I really believe this. If we get a hold of our homes, I think we'd start to see a change. Uh Uh-oh. I think we'd start to see a change in this country again. But we've gone down the slippery slope. And we've given way to the world, the doctrine of the world, the thoughts of the politically correct that don't... Listen, by the way, can I just love you a little bit? The politically correct does not want to hear what thus saith the word of God. They're just not. They're just not wanting to hear that. And so don't be surprised. It's It's like we see stuff and we're like, it's so shocking. What's going on? It's not shocking. They're not, listen, unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are not going to want to hear what Jesus has to say. And you're certainly not going to advocate that we follow it. And so it shouldn't be a surprise, but I just have to say this. If biblical love does not begin at home, I guarantee you it's not going to begin. If it doesn't start in the home, chances are it's not going to begin. And I honestly believe it's the missing ingredient in our homes today. We're not telling, we're not teaching our children about Jesus. You know, we 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 take them to Sunday school till they're like three and then we just give up. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh just let them do whatever they're gonna do. Listen, no. It's time that we stand up for our families once again. By the way, do you know in the Garden of Eden, this isn't even in my message, do you know that in the Garden of Eden, Jesus didn't create man, he created family? Because when he created man, you remember what he said? He said, no, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm gonna create for him a helpmate. I'm gonna create someone to come alongside of him because this guy ain't gonna get it by himself. This guy needs help. (laughs) <laughs> but since I'm saying it it was Eve that gave him the fruit <laughs> So, <laughs> is anybody else getting hot <laughs> seriously guys I don't know if you're paying attention or if we've been asleep at the wheel. I think we've been asleep at the wheel for a lot of things. But today, and please understand, other than using God, watch this, other than using God as some talking point, it's hard for me, I'll just be honest with you, it's hard for me to to really connect with someone if I don't hear them talking about the Lord until a tragedy comes along. Aside from talking about God as a talking point or to garner approval with some group of people, I've not heard any, A-N-Y, I've not heard any of our so-called leaders in this country talking about the need for God or the anything spiritual in the home at all, all they do is cast stones, stone, 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 and if you don't like that stone, I got another stone, and then they wonder what is going on. Listen, we've got to stand up for Jesus. Listen, all I look around and I, I politicians now are saying that prayer is a mockery, that they're tired of us wasting time praying for people. Listen, can I tell you there is power in prayer. I've seen it happen in my life. Listen, there is great power in prayer, and sometimes the power comes with an answer of no. A lot of times we pray, and we think that God's our cosmic bellhop and that he should just give us everything that we want. You ought to be thankful that God doesn't give you everything that you want. I'm thankful that he hadn't given me everything I want because I'd be over in the roadside somewhere, some ditch asking him to give me what I want. And God says, no, I'm going to protect you because you're actually being an idiot right now. You're asking for something that is not according to my will, and I will not hear that. There have been a lot of times like that. I'm like, God, if you just give me this. And he's like, you're so silly. Why don't you get back to the word? And I'm like, okay, God. We don't need a new program. We don't need new policies. What we need is the power of God in this country. The biblical values that once guided our nation and the majority of our homes have been replaced by every worldly value under the sun. But if you look back at chapter 14, as we read in chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said, if you love or agapao me, he said, keep my commandments, i.e., keep my word, keep my instructions. Again, folks, I want to remind us all that his orders are not given as a suggestion. His order to love one another is given as a directive to follow. Back in John 13, 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you. I like the word new. He said, You may never have heard this before, but I'm going to give you something new. I know you've been following or trying to follow the law, but I'm going to give you something new. I'm going to create a new law for you through me that you would begin to love one another. He's telling us to love as he loves, which is a tall order. And as I said, without him, you cannot do it. This love that Jesus was speaking of, was, and is speaking about, it's not a love that's earned. It's a love that's given. It's a love that's a choice that you and I have to make on purpose each and every day. It's an action. Do you know I have to make the choice? Let me just turn it around. Do you know my wife has to make the choice every day to love me? Because sometimes I'm not very lovable. You want to know why? Because I'm covered with the same stuff you are. But I'm reminded from Scripture, and here's, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. I want you to see this. I'm reminded from Scripture that Jesus is not only calling us to action to love those who are lovable, but Jesus actually calls us to a biblical love by taking it a step further. And this, this, these few verses that I'm going to read, these are probably verses that you probably disregard many times, to be honest with you, when we talk about biblical love. We, we kind of come up with our own kind of formula or, or package for loving people. But in Matthew chapter 5, look with me down to verse 43. And the Bible says, You have heard it hath been said, that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. Stop. He said, here's what you've heard. You've heard that you're supposed to love your your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, but guess what? I got something else for you to follow here. Now look at verse 44. He said, but I say unto you. Let it just sink in. He says, "I, I say unto you, love your enemies. May the 14th, May the 14th, May the 15th, May the 24th, right? Hard to love wickedness. I didn't say gratified. I didn't say sanction it. I didn't say accept it. But let's be clear what Jesus is saying. He says, love, love your enemies. Watch what he goes on. He says, bless them that curse you. Here it comes. Do what? Good to them that hate you. And if that's not enough, here's what Jesus says. He says, pray for them. That despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. Listen, as believers, we are to be motivated by Jesus' command to love at all times, even when it hurts. The reality is, Proverbs chapter ten and verse number eleven says this: It says, "The mouth of the righteous man is a well of life, but the violence but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked." Verse twelve: Hatred stirs up strifes, but love covers. All sins. Jesus reminded his disciples that this world would recognize them as being his disciples by one thing and one thing only. At the end of verse number 35, he said these words, if. If is a big word. If you have love for one another. Oh, listen, the greatest example of this type of love is the love of God. And so, not only should we remember Jesus' love, that it's not a suggestion, but we need to rejoice in his love. Why? Because it's been proven. It's actually been proven. You say, I have no proof. Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, and you can look at it if you want, but in Romans chapter 5, in verse number 6, Paul writing the church at Rome, he says, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the who? That's me, the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. Notice he says in verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But look at verse 8. But God commendeth. That word commendeth, I know you've heard it said proved, but it actually means introduced. God introduced His love towards us. He introduced it. Say, You say, well, I don't understand God's love. Well, guess what? He introduced it when He sent Jesus to die for you. That's how He introduced it. That's how He proved it. He says here, but God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to, watch what it says, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 13, he said, greater love hath no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. This is the greatest form of love that Jesus was talking about. And as we know, he set the supreme example by dying on the cross. In John chapter 3 and verse number 16... And you guys can see that on the screen. This verse reminds us that God the Father, He loved the world so much that He sent and He gave His Son. But if you go over to Philippians chapter 2 in verse number 7 and 8, this passage reminds us that Jesus actually loved us so much that He came and died. Notice what it says. It says that He made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of servant and was made in the likeness of men. Verse 8, here we go. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I want you to focus on one word obedient. You remember I said Jesus' love was not a suggestion, it's a command. He also was under orders. His order was to go into all the world and to seek and to save that which was lost. And remember, he gets done and he says, it is finished. In other words, he's saying, Father, I have done what you asked me to do. He was under orders and he did the same thing that he's asking you and me to do, which was lay down his life for his friends, those who would believe on the name of the Lord. Oh, my friends, the most beautiful thing about our Savior's love The most beautiful thing about Jesus' love is that his love is immutable. His love is immutable. It never changes. It's infinite. It never ends. It goes on and on and on. Yes, today we've taken time to remember those who laid down their lives for our temporary freedom, but I think it's important that we rejoice in the love of the one who laid down his life that you and I might experience eternal freedom. Forever and ever and ever. Oh, what a Savior we serve. Oh, yes, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing, Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you're here, you're watching online, and you say, I've never been motivated by love. Can I tell you, Jesus' love is not a suggestion, it's a command. But you can't can't exhibit, you cannot obey that command until you receive that greatest love that has been offered to man. And so listen, here's the last point. Not only do we remember Jesus' love, it's not just a suggestion. Not only do we rejoice in his love, it's been proven. But I want to encourage you to receive his love. You want to know why? Because it's free. You say, well, hold on a second. It's been said that freedom isn't free. You're right. Freedom isn't free. Somehow, somewhere, someone had to pay a price to get your temporary freedom in this country. And guess what? Somewhere, somehow, someone by the name of Jesus Christ had to lay down his life so that you could have some freedom through him. It didn't cost you anything, but it cost him everything. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible says, for he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. Can you imagine? The father told his son, I want you to go become sin for those sinful people. says he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus was sinless, and yet he bore our sin, gave up his life, and shed his blood so that we could be free. Hebrews chapter 2 cautions us all. It really does. It cautions us all in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 3 by saying, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How, How should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? I want to encourage you. If you've never trusted Christ, don't miss the opportunity right now. In this room, if you're sitting here and you say, man, I've heard about Jesus, but I've never made it real in my life. Can I beg you? Don't walk out of this room without asking him to forgive you and to come into your life and to become the savior of your life. It's free. He proved it. And guess what? You'll never be able to Show love to other people the way that he really wants us to show love to other people until you receive that love. You just won't understand it. And you say, how do you know? Because I was once lost. I was once without Christ. I was once not able to love people the way that he has commanded me to love. And guess what? I still mess it up. But you know what? He's faithful and just. He gives me mercy every day. He says, man, that guy, he keeps on falling down. But you want to know something? It's not about how you get knocked down. It's about whether you get back up or not. So I encourage you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Let's be motivated by love, amen? Amen. Let's be motivated by love. And if we do that, I guarantee you, we'll be not only loving people the way that Christ loved us, but we'll also be sharing truth. Of Christ with others father we thank you for your love we thank you for the time that we've had in your word the time that we've had to celebrate God what you have done as we remembered as we rejoice and recognize all that you have done for us Lord we have also taken time to remember and reflect and to give honor to those whom honor is due those who laid down their lives for our temporary freedoms Lord, I pray that you will have your will in your way and that if there's somebody in this room, somebody watching that has never never been motivated by love to call out upon the name of the Lord, I pray that they'll do it right now. That they'll just ask Jesus to forgive them, to come into their life and to begin to change them from the inside out. Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor for it. Maybe there's someone here today that is a believer, but maybe for the first time in a while, they understand what it really means to love others as you have loved them. That they would be totally and completely committed to exercising that sacrificial, that, 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 that unselfish, that sacrificial love that you displayed for us. Maybe this is the first time they've recognized it. Maybe it's the first time in a while. God, I pray that you work in their life, that you would draw them close to you during this season that you might be honored and glorified that you might use them that you might flow in and through them in a mighty way lord we love you and we thank you for your goodness as we begin to sing lord i pray that you're that you will be pleased by our worship that you'll be pleased by our efforts to go away from this place and to love people the way that you have loved us We give you the praise for it all in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen and amen.